This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets. Put a binge on your friends with a Pussy Magnet. Oh, hey! Welcome, 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 my lovely lumps. Or should I say lovely labs? I don't know, they're both good. <laughs> I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. <laughs> oh, cringe. I couldn't help myself. Anyway, I am your host, Freya Graff, and I am a holistic sex coach and educator and yoni mapping therapist. So basically, I make my living massaging vaginas and teaching people about sex. Yeah, pretty cool. (laughs) So as you can imagine, we are going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up, you're about to receive the sex ed that you'd never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in, though, I would like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this podcast, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country, and I pay respect to their elders past, present, and emerging. Now, if you're all ready, let's flap and do this. <laughs> Oh, is there such thing as having too many vagina jokes in the one intro? Whatever. I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic, you're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull up the couch. It's the Labia Lounge. What is up, my labial ledgehammers? I am so chuffed to have you joining me once again in the Labia Lounge for some epic chats with this week's guest, the delightful Asti Marie. And yeah, let me just introduce you to this wonderful woman because I actually heard Asti on another podcast ages ago and I just found her so relatable and so articulate and she was talking about shit that I was like, oh my God, bitch, that is exactly what I'm going through right now. And I've been following her work ever since. So I'm really excited to have her on board. And just before I welcome her into the lounge, I'll give you a little rundown. Asti is a female sexual empowerment coach and owner of Pleasure Treasures. She is passionate about supporting women to reconnect to their innate sexuality, believing that this is key to a woman reclaiming a deep sense of self-worth and being able to cultivate the type of sex, love, and relationships she dreams of. yum Oh. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in and pulling up a cushion in the lounge today. How are you feeling, Asti? Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I feel like we're going to have the juiciest conversation and I cannot wait to dive in. Fabulous. Well, let's do that. I want to chat about landing your dream partner or, you know, even if you're not looking for a forever person right now, just attracting in lovers who are actually ticking all your boxes or or ticking all your boxes. Um, <laughs> just can't fucking help myself. Anyway, so dicking... Dicking, ticking all your boxes in a healthy, fulfilling, honoring way that doesn't feel like you're compromising or sacrificing your desires and needs. Because I think, like, I definitely have been in this position. I think a lot of people could relate. Um, Yeah, being in that position where you want something deeper or more committed, or maybe you want something that's more stable and reliable. 
or even just someone more compatible with you, something more intimate, more fulfilling. But we settle and we just so often ignore the red flags and ignore like the ways in which that person isn't meeting our needs or dicking our boxes right, you know. And then we just keep attracting in these situations that are less than ideal. And, you know, I've I've been through that. I went through that for years. I know a lot of my girlfriends have. I hear that from a lot of clients. And I'm just wondering, like, have you been in this sort of cycle with men in the past? I have for sure. Um, I really resonated. It came to mind, actually, I was going to say straight away that I think what happens is that too often we're just settling, right? Mm. I think too many women would rather be in a relationship and any relationship rather than being single and waiting for their dream relationship. And Mm. I have definitely been in this situation. And I mean, this is also relevant for me because I came out of a relationship a year and a half ago and I actually committed to doing this work to raise the bar and set a new standard for my dating life. And I, I had like this sort of man that I wanted to call in and the standard that I was um, ready to be met at. And through all of that, I accidentally manifested a relationship. So mm. <laughs> that just proves that it works. But for me, what I want to come back to, for me, it was really important. And what I think is really important is that you have to feel truly happy and fulfilled and loved and worthy and desired on your own before you can feel all of that in a relationship, right? Mm. And when you do the work to become your own lover and like while I was single and practicing intentional celibacy even, I was dating myself and taking myself out to like nice restaurants and doing all the things that I want a lover to do for me. So that really helped me set the bar because then dating mm. from that place, it was like, well, why would I accept anything less? Why am I going to downgrade my life to be with this guy, right? They've got to meet you where you meet yourself. So mm. what you're calling in, in terms of dating they're usually going to meet you in the same way that you love yourself. So the relationship that you have with yourself sets the bar. So basically Mm -hmm. it's all got to start with you. And that's why I always say to women, like if you want to be chosen by your dream man, start by choosing yourself. Totally. Yeah. I, I feel like I can really relate to that whole thing of like, well, I'd rather be with like, I'd rather have someone right now, like anyone, basically anyone half decent than be alone and actually wait for that ideal person. And for quite a few years, I kind of used people lovers as like placeholders in the meantime while waiting for my actual person to come along. But then, you know, I kind of eventually realized this was probably hindering my chances of meeting that dream person and wasn't the healthiest. So like, do you kind of agree or can you speak to that, that um, tendency that we have to settle and like maybe even acknowledge to ourselves like, yeah, I know this isn't, this isn't like the person or like whatever, but it's better than nothing for now. And, you know, may, may as well just get some while I'm waiting. Yeah. And then the bar is so low and then women are met with men who are disrespecting them maybe lying like there's patterns of like calling in men that um cheat on you and then after you've had these experiences so many times that just becomes your story right and then habitually you're telling yourself like all men are assholes or I mean all women cheat or like these stories that we tell ourselves and what happens is these stories become our reality 
And even if the mm. stories that we're telling ourselves don't necessarily support what we desire, as humans, there's a part of us that likes to prove ourselves right. So if you're telling yourself like, all men are cheaters, all men are cheaters, all men are assholes, and then your next partner cheats on you, even though it's going to hurt, there's always going to be this part of you that's like, see, I told you so. Like I was right this whole time, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Mm, and so I you're not like- going to call in the partner while you're settling yeah yeah and it is really I feel like it's not spoken about enough that um I mean it is in my circles but I'm like a personal development nerd but yeah that whole thing where we almost get addicted to the stories that we tell ourselves and then identify with and then it's it's not like it's not fun but it is comfortable for us to just keep repeating those things and proving ourselves right because it's almost too scary to like step outside of that um and i totally feel you with that like oh you know once you start believing all men are assholes then you know of course you're not going to attract anything different because we're doing that like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy but we're also doing that thing where you know confirmation bias we're trying to find excuses and reasons and ammunition and evidence to prove this belief that we've held for so long and it gets really sort of dug in I feel like mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent mm. and then it becomes so, hard to break those sorry what was that and then it just becomes harder and harder to break those patterns the longer that you've repeated that cycle mm, totally Yeah. So what are some of the common reasons that you find working with women that keeps us settling for less than we deserve? You know, like there's that obvious one of like, well, I'd rather that than be alone. And it's, you know, uh, we're faced with our own company. Some people aren't really comfortable with that and don't have the, um, I guess, self-worth. But what, yeah, what are some other really common reasons that you sort of talk about with your clients that they might ignore red flags or just stick around when something's really subpar? So really what it comes back to, and you just mentioned it then, is like a lack of self-worth, a lack of self-worth or a lack of self-love. Like Mm. if you're not fully choosing yourself and being your own best lover, then your cup's going to be half full, right? You're not going to feel all loved Mm. up. And that's when you start accepting breadcrumbs that people are giving you. Whereas if you are living this life where you're feeling so worthy, so loved up, you're ticking all of your own boxes, even when it comes to like self-pleasure as well, then you're not going to settle for those breadcrumbs, right? Because your cup's already full. You're showing up in a relationship or in dating whole and complete. There is no settling there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one though, isn't it? I mean, because I also I I totally um, subscribed to that uh, belief. Like I've got to I've got to be completely self sufficient and self sourcing, and I've got to have all the self love and all of this and that before I'll deserve that partner or be ready or will have done enough work. And I actually spoke about this on a another podcast um, with Chloe about dating and being single in your 20s and 30s Um, and I was Mm -hmm. sort of talking about how because I had this view of like oh I've got to do the work and I've got to be ready before I meet this person I almost had like a complex I had quite a bit of shame around just really desiring a partner because I was like oh what am I like not a feminist anymore because I don't want to be single and I'm fucking lonely (laughs) like and there was all this shame around wanting a partner so then 
I, I was quite um, conflicted, I suppose, because I was definitely trying to get to that point where I was really content with myself, my own company. I had lots of self-love and self-respect. Um, but then I, at the same time, like even though I kind of got to that point, I felt I still really, really yearned for a partner. And then my next part of, you know, the work was like releasing the shame and admitting, yeah, I fucking want a partner. I'm ready for that. Course. It's like such a like key aspect and basic need of being human is connection. So it's so natural and healthy that would desire to be in partnership. And I think you're right. I feel like there's a lot of women who shame themselves for that. And I speak to women who I can clearly see that they really want to be in a relationship and they'll kind of like disown their own desires and go, it's okay. I'm just dating for fun. Like, are you there, babe? Like, if you want to be in a relationship, own that. Because I think a big part of you being able to get your desire is you owning it first and foremost. But I think the trick here is like, what to remember is that, yes, you can have this deep desire to be met at deep levels of love and intimacy and to be in that relationship. But you have to remind yourself that the relationship's not going to make you happy. Mm. Like, whatever Mm. If you're experiencing alone and being single, like that's just going to be magnetized, magnified when you're in a relationship. So just mm-hmm. knowing that whether you're single or in a relationship, your happiness is your responsibility. Yeah, big time. I think there's a difference between like wanting a partner or wanting to be in relationship because you're so kind of miserable and there's this void you're trying to fill or you don't feel like you're going to be whole or complete or your life's not going to like properly, you know, sort of start or be at its potential until you've got this person and just being like, no, I'm fucking killing it. But like, I thrive in relationships and I would also love to have a healthy relationship. And that is where the next kind of level of my self-work is going to begin is like in relationship because there's so much that can be done there. So, and, and like you kind of touched on, you know, women who I guess kid themselves that they're just, you know, they're just having a bit of fun. It's fine. Like it's no biggie if they don't find something serious and it's almost like they're downplaying that desire and therefore selling themselves short and then, you know, only really getting what they're, what they're sort of asking for in these more casual, like less fulfilling encounters. And as a female sexual empowerment coach, I'm really curious about your opinion on casual sex and one night stands, like, you know, what your viewpoint is on that. So I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I feel like there's so many like spiritual slut shaming posts at the moment where Mm. they're like, if you sleep with someone, you're sharing energy and like, you've got to be really careful who you share your energy with. And it's just like another form of slut shaming. Mm. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. There's so much that we can get out of having a one night stand. But I also on that note, do see a lot of women who are having sex really early on in dating and then they later regret it, they later feel used. And Mm. I think this comes back to women, like women using their sexuality as a way to like draw him in, right? And I like I can totally resonate with this because I used to base all of my worth on my looks and my ability to please partners. So I thought like, oh, if I just had sex with him, then I'll like captivate him and he would be mine, right? It doesn't really mm-hmm. work like that. Um, and I'm like one of my friends said this to me the other day and I thought it was really interesting. She said, as women, we think 
clearly before we have sex, right? So when we're dating before we have sex with the person, and this is, I guess, a little bit of a generalization, we think really clearly because after we have sex, there's that release of oxytocin, the love hormone, we become more attached, more bonded. So before we have sex with them, we're thinking really clearly we're in control. Men are the opposite where they're just like, you know, all I can think about is sex and then they're not thinking very clearly. And then after sex, they have the power. Um, so I think it's also important to ask yourself, like, why are you dating? Because this changes things altogether as well. If you are dating because you want to have different sexual experiences, you want to explore your sexuality, then yeah, go and have one night stands. But if you were like, no, I'm dating because I want to like, I want to meet the person that I'm going to build a life with. Like I want a long-term relationship then I don't feel like there's any need to rush into sex because you want mm. the foundation of your relationship to be built on other things, not just sex. And as soon as that like oxytocin is released and you're feeling more deeply like bonded and connected to this person, it does get harder to spot the red flags. And when you're feeling more connected and more bonded with them, we tend to like race into um, maybe like prematurely projecting onto this person, visualizing them as our future husband, future wife, um, and become too connected too early on. So when it Mm. comes to dating, what I actually recommend, and I see this a lot as well with like women wanting to determine the relationship really early on, right? Like a few dates in, so many men tell me they'll go on like a couple of dates and then she's like, okay, what are we? Like, are we in a relationship? And it's just all happening so quick where it actually tends to push men away. But also I think as women, if we really value and respect ourselves, we would give ourselves more time to actually get to know this man, right? And instead of being like, oh my God, I really hope he likes me. Like, I really hope he wants to be in a relationship with me. Actually like take a step back and ask yourself, like, do I really like him? Is he someone that I want to be with, right? And dating in this way where it's a lot slower. So I think it's important to have conversations. I mean, first of all, the first date is like, don't even look at them as a potential um, partner, right? Just get to know the person in front of you. Get to know them for who they are as a person, right? Figure out like if your, your common interest, your values, all of that, see if it's a match. But even when dating, I think there's there's conversations that we can have before having that conversation of like, where is this going? Are we in a relationship? Like just dating each other for a longer period of time, like a few months before you even bring that up. But you can also get a sense of safety and security by asking like, are you seeing somebody else? Are we exclusively dating but without putting any labels on it. And I know that that sounds really silly, but I feel like it does change things and it it makes people become too attached to the potential rather than what's happening right there in front of them. Yeah. And that's when we... Because it's like some women, and this is like, again, coming back to that desire, it's okay to own the desire of like wanting to get married, wanting to have babies. But if you meet someone and straight away put on the label, we're in a relationship, and then you're focusing just on their end goal, like babies, sorry, babies, marriage, you tend to forget about what's happening there in front of you. And so you don't look at the red flags because you're like, oh, no, 
I'll just pretend that's not there. I'll pretend that that didn't happen. I'll just bite my tongue, let it slide because we're so attached to that final outcome. So if yeah. you just let that go for a in the first six months, just get to know them as a person, seeing them for who they are in this moment is going to completely change things for you and allow you to stay in your power while you're dating. Mm, love that. It's so hard to stay in your power sometimes, especially when you are pretty like hell-bent on, you know, finding this dream relationship and starting a life with someone. And so you're already like a million steps ahead of the guy probably. And, you know, you're projecting like all of your visions and dreams of this partner onto them, like from the get-go and then, you know, wanting to clarify like, what, what are we? Like, da, da, da. like I love that you spoke to that because I feel like that's so relatable. And I chat with clients about this a lot. I definitely used to be a victim of that as well. Cause I was like, so like, oh my God, I want this relationship. And then and yeah, I would, I would kind of already be thinking way, way ahead, just getting so ahead of myself, which obviously can scare the fuck out of guys and just send them packing. Um, and yeah, also really cool. Like there was so much, I loved so much of that, you know, the, the spiritual slut shaming and stuff like that is just such a crock. And yet I do totally, um, like, yeah, like you mentioned, I want to re-touch um, on the whole thing around like that cocktail of sex hormones that our brain is literally like bathed in when we have sex or like orgasm. You know, our female sex hormones make it really hard to have a casual thing sometimes, especially if you are actually really yearning for something more committed, you know, even if it's casual mm. and you know that and logically you're like, yep, it can be really tricky um, to keep it casual and to keep our feelings out of it because we do get those like sex goggles on and the blind spots around red flags once we start being intimate with someone because, you know, that concoction of oxytocin and dopamine and serotonin and it's really, um, it's really tricky to keep your head screwed on and stay in your power. I think um, if you're on different pages, but you are now bathed in all of these chemicals that are making you more bonded and more attached and more invested in this person than you probably would be if you were in your rational mind. Because um, I don't think, um, yeah, like we're we're sort of wired as well as men are to have casual sex or, or one night stands just, just because of that, you know? Um, and so it was like, for me personally, I did notice, um, years ago, like I used to meet someone and if I was even a bit into them, I would almost feel, and it must've been a bit of a self-worth thing, I guess, but I would almost feel like I needed to have sex with them quickly to keep them on the hook or keep them interested. And if I made them wait too long, they would get bored or lose interest. And then I was like, whoa, hang on. Like that's fucked. Like if I, if I want this person to be like, you know, in a committed relationship to me, would I really even want to be with someone that would lose interest so easily and want to rush into sex? So, you know, so, um, yeah, I mean, that was a bit of a jumble, but everything that you just spoke about, I find really relatable. I think it's really common that we're thinking about this stuff and talking about this stuff um, and just such great advice to kind of, if you can, just slow things down, like 
pump the brakes, yeah. keep your wits about you, stay centered and in your power. Um, and yeah, if it, it depends what, like, I think that's a really great clarification that you made. Like it depends what you're dating for. And if you are out for some casual fun and you're exploring your sexuality and you want to have lots of variety and experiences, fuck yeah, go hard girl. Um, and then, yeah, if you are wanting something more committed, then be intentional about it. And, and yeah, the, the whole like don't settle thing is a lot easier if you haven't kind of become addicted to the sex hormones that you get from being with that person. Yeah. Sure. I love what you said about like, because I can so resonate with this, as I said, like needing to have or feeling like you need to have sex with someone early on so that you can keep them. Yeah. And that's like the thing is like, if they are like, oh, two dates in and like, oh, she's not going to have sex with me and they leave. That's actually a win on your part, right? Because mm-hmm. that's not the type of person that you want to build a relationship with anyway. Totally. And it's I also much- think that if you are dating someone and they want a serious relationship and that's something that they desire, they will happily take the time too. They'll want to get yeah. to know you on different levels. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, it's, it's definitely... Um, a dickhead filter. That's for sure. I also went through a phase where I was being, um, yeah. Um, what do you call it? Celibate, (laughs) intentionally celibate. And, and I was still kind of dating and stuff. And so I would never have sex with any of them. And, um, it was actually a really fantastic way to weed out the ones that weren't, um, going to hang around if I didn't put out, (laughs) um, and and it kind of separated the wheat from the chaff in that regard because like I wasn't after casual sex and if you know if they mm-hmm. were then great good for them they would find someone else who was interested in casual sex ideally um, but it sort of mm-hmm. saved me from having sex with people hoping it was something else and then getting really let down mm-hmm. and hurt and feeling used when it wasn't for them and I also feel like this might be controversial but I feel like even guys who potentially could be open to something a bit more serious or interested in something maybe down the line if you don't put pressure on them and like try to try to like put it in a box too soon they might potentially just get sort of i don't know like not bored but you know just be like oh well you know that's that's done if you have sex too soon and they kind of get that quite quickly it's like it doesn't yeah, I guess it doesn't send the message that you might want. I think I read somewhere it's pretty like, I don't know, it's, it was, I don't know if I fully back this, but I read somewhere some sex or relationship coach was talking about like, yeah, if you, if you put out too soon, if you have sex too soon, it just shows that you don't respect yourself um, or have enough self-worth and then it kind of gives them what they want too soon and then they'll lose interest. And so that's like a really bad strategy, which is like very yeah. black and white. But I think that there can be some truth in that. Yeah, it's so hard because, like, the way that that person had spoken on it, it sounded a little bit shamey. And I've actually been thinking about that topic for the last, like, month or something. And I'm like, I mean, I'm still trying to work out the right way to, like, bring it up to my audience because it's so hard to say it in a way that doesn't sound slut-shamey. Totally. But the other thing that you just touched on briefly is that men love the chase because men want to feel like they've won something like they've accomplished something like they've earned something and if it's just given them given to them that easily there's kind of 
like there's no prize involved, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. It is a really tricky, like as I got into talking about it, I was like, oh, 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 back out, back out. Like what you do, there's no way of saying this that doesn't sound shamey. But anyway, they're not my words. Yeah. But yeah, I do, I think about this sort of thing as well. And it is, it is kind of like the harsh reality that's not very romantic. But psychology is a thing with this sort of stuff. And it's almost like the whole marketing thing where like if you put a higher price on it or if you make them work for it, or if there is a bit more of like mystery and a bit more challenge before they reach the goal or they get they obtain the thing then they value it more and they might you know and it's like pretty to talk about it in marketing terms but I do think there's something to that sometimes not with every person um but I think yeah like I don't know I kind of got to a point where I was like hmm hang on like I need to like control myself for starters I need to just like value myself enough that I can just hang hang out for a while and take it slow and you know not get too wrapped up in the sexual energy and get all confused um, and I knew that I needed to do that just for myself because I wasn't out for casual sex anymore um, and then yeah I was also kind of like and I feel as though if I do do that then it's sort of it gives it gives us both this really like juicy exciting mysterious kind of sexual tension and intrigue building space that we can enjoy and we can languish in and we can kind of like just stay in that space longer before we before we like taste the fruits you know and it was like i liked thinking of it like that like it wasn't like ooh i'm going to make them wait and i'm going to play hard to get it was like no actually there's just like no point in rushing and i really like this person and i want to savor every little moment up until we have sex by exploring them on all different levels and by the time we have sex i'm going to have so much more trust for them and we're going to have built so much more rapport and comfortability that that sex will be fucking better than if i just leap into it so that's kind of how I would think about it. The sexual tension and the build-up, it's everything. But what, yeah, yeah, what I wanted to add to that is, like, I actually asked this question on my Instagram a few weeks ago. Like, do you think having sex um, early on changes things? And everyone it was funny because everyone was writing back to me saying, no, it doesn't matter, it doesn't change anything. At the same time, I get messages almost daily where girls are like, oh, I'm stuck in this pattern of, like, meeting a guy, going on a couple of dates, and then it just ends. I'm like, are you having sex with him? They all say yes. Mm-hmm. And what I want to come back to, I think what happened was when I asked the question, does having sex early on change things? Everyone wanted to say no, because the way that they were reading it was, is it okay? And there's a difference mm. between whether it's okay or whether it changes things. Because it can be completely okay and acceptable and fine to have sex early on, but that doesn't mean it's not going to change things. Like those are two different conversations. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love I love talking about this stuff. And I really, yeah, there's <laughs> oh, there's just endless places we could go with this. This is stuff that I chat about with my girlfriends a lot as well. And I've thought about a lot because I've had, yeah years of kind of dating and being single to think about it and try to nut it out um so yeah thank you for going there with me because it is delicate and it is really tricky to to talk about in a way that people won't get offended or feel like it's being shamey um yeah yeah come at me (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) 
Um, so I want to talk about red flags and how to recognize them and how to figure out what your own kind of unique like red flags that you're looking out for, what 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 your deal breakers are and stuff. But just before that, I want to do the segment Get Pregnant and Die. Don't have sex. Because you will get pregnant and die. Don't have sex in the missionary position. Don't have don't have sex standing up. Just don't do it, promise. So I am I'm wondering if you've got a story for us about how your sex education failed you maybe or something that you would have loved to have learned more about, um, you know, when you were kind of in those formative years learning about sex and your body. Uh, I guess the main one I wish I learned about was my own pleasure. Mm. Obviously, that's not even touched on, is it? So I wish I learned about my own pleasure because the first, my first relationship I was in, I didn't even have an orgasm. And if he came, I was like, okay, like pat on the back, well done me. Like if he was happy, I was happy. And I didn't realize for so long how much I was missing out on. So for Mm -hmm. me, pleasure was a huge thing. And the other thing I wish I got taught on was boundaries. So I wish Mm -hmm. I knew that it was okay to say no. And those two things actually come hand in hand because if you can't say no to someone, you can't fully say yes either. So if you don't have strong boundaries, it's going to be harder to tap into your pleasure. Um, but, yeah, I feel like that would have changed things for me a lot. <laughs> yeah, big time. That's such a common one that I hear is like pleasure, 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 come on. And then, yeah, boundaries is a ripper. Boundaries and communication just fuck like that would be so valuable, especially for teenagers. Um, yeah, love that. Thank you. So ready and like sorry, carry on. <laughs> no, 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 you you carry on. <laughs> so yeah, I have like so many times that have sex before I was ready. And so I didn't trust my body and didn't feel completely mm. safe in the experience. So I could never fully let go and fully surrender and fully open up into pleasure. So it was never like a full yes to me. Mm. And it took me years to reclaim that. Wow. Fuck. Totally. It's, yeah, wow. I hadn't actually thought about the connection between those things. Like that is so important to note. Like, and I think a lot of people could and like I haven't thought about it for myself but if I did do some digging I would probably yeah I probably would discover that I I was in the same boat like I hadn't learned how to have boundaries or communicate them and so therefore even situations where I probably thought that I was like in an empowered position and stuff and I was like totally consensual like they probably weren't that you know I think how can anything be that consensual when you actually don't feel as though your pleasure is as important to prioritize as the guy and and if you don't have like enough boundaries to kind of be like yeah I mean because I I sort of was similar I was like well if he ejaculates then it's been a successful sesh and that's not very empowering and it doesn't really focus on my pleasure um so yeah that's really cool it is focused on your pleasure right even if it is focused on your pleasure and you're in a situation where it is all about you and you're feeling really good and it's like fully consensual. You're loving it. If you don't have the ability to set boundaries and say no, if it ever comes to a point where you're no longer feeling it, even when you're in that moment of being 
a full yes, it's never actually going to be that full yes because there's a part mm. of you internally that knows if this goes down a path where I don't feel comfortable, I don't have the ability to say no. Totally. And knowing that yeah. you can never fully surrender in that moment. Mm. Yeah, and surrender is just so important. That's like my favourite part about sex is like that complete, complete, utter sense of safety and trust, allowing for that total surrender. And yeah, I just, I totally agree. If you don't, if you're not practiced at saying no, if you don't have those like really strong, healthy boundaries in place and that kind of um, trust that you could literally say anything or call for a halt at any point or ask for anything to change like at any point if you don't have that then yeah I mean how safe can you possibly feel and I think that's like a foreign concept to a lot of people because sex is yeah pretty like I don't know it's for a lot of women I speak to like they definitely have never had a conversation about like boundaries or like what happens if I need to stop or what happens if it's hurting or what happens if I like yeah because it's for a lot of women that I speak to um sex is kind of just this thing that they do to get out of the way and they do it for their partner or they do it just to feel like a good girlfriend or wife or um because they think they should or whatever and yeah I mean that's that's a sad thing like that's because we just have such a shit sex education. And then it's sex is never something that they desire because it's never on their terms. So it begins to feel like a chore, right? Totally. Yeah. I hear that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we're changing that. We are totally changing that with both of our work. (laughs) Um. And yeah, I want to chat about red flags and that would be, that would be a huge one. If I feel like I can't say to someone like, oh, hey, we need to stop or um, I'm not actually feeling comfortable or I've changed my mind or like, can we, can we hold off for now or can we, yeah, anything like, then that is a big red flag to me. Cause like I would, I would get to the point where I had these really like, you know, firm boundaries in place. And I would feel like I was really good at communicating and talking about sex and talking about this and that. And I was with most people if they were able to meet me there. And then this was like quite a few years ago, like then I would somehow wind up, you know, in an intimate situation with a guy, like a new person or whatever. And for some reason, like just their energy or their willingness or like something about them, I I would sense that like, they weren't going to handle that well. And so I would automatically like without even realizing I was doing it, I would kind of slide back into this like space where I wasn't empowered to communicate my boundaries anymore. And I would just be like, oh fuck, it's actually just easier to like go along with this or like da da da. And I would sacrifice my needs. And then I'd be like, what the fuck? I'm I've I have learned this lesson. This is not me anymore. I don't do this anymore. What has happened? And it was like, oh wow, that person made it so much harder to have boundaries and that is a fucking huge red flag to me like I need to feel like they are such a safe space and so mature and healthy in their communication and their boundaries that it's easy and effortless for me to communicate mine um does that resonate with you yeah, like when you can share what it is that you need or even like when you're teaching your partner to be a better lover, like whether it's in the bedroom or outside the bedroom and they don't take it personally. Yeah. Yeah. That's time. like, 
young. But yeah, I resonate with that. I have been in a situation before where what was my sexual boundary? I think I just needed him to slow down. Like we just needed to like slow down the whole thing. You know how men like race to penetration way too quickly. I was explaining yeah. to him how it takes longer to get turned on. I just need time to feel safe and surrendered. And like, I feel like I explained it in like a really nice way um, that wasn't emasculating or shaming or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And he flipped it back on me and was saying that I was just making sex really hard for him. And like, wasn't fair that I was making him like tickle these boxes and like oh my gosh that was a huge red flag definitely had to step away from that (laughs) yeah definitely fuck that right off ew 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 so gaslighty so uncool turning it back on you because they're triggered (laughs) can you really can you really enjoy having sex with someone who isn't fully enjoying it themselves Mm, mm. Like, don't yeah. men know that if they're doing all the right things, ticking or dicking all your boxes in the right way, and you're <laughs> feeling so turned on and full of pleasure, their experience is going to be a hundred times better as well. So it's not something that they're just doing for us. It's for both people in the relationship and it benefits them as well. Hey, totally. It seems like a no-brainer, but I feel like some people are slow to come to the party with that. Um, but yeah, what about yeah. what are some other like major red flags that you kind of discovered for you or like are there some common ones that seem to be pretty universal how do you recognize them how do you yeah like what do you find yourself talking or teaching about the most when it comes to looking out for red flags and like what to do if you notice them with women uh so personally I feel like one of my red flag well in my last relationship I was cheated on so that's always something that I look at like first is like how loyal is this person how trustworthy is this person and I think that does come back to like communication right like how open is that communication because that makes me feel really safe um I never really teach women like what their red flags are I'm also teach them how to pick up on what their red flags are if that yeah. makes sense so yeah. if you are feeling like confused, you don't know where you stand um, or you're just feeling like uncomfortable in the relationship, then that's probably something to look at. But there's also like a fine line. Like there's some things that would be like non-negotiable, like cheating for me, non-negotiable or walk away, leave it. But I think you always have to remember that someone might do something that seems wrong, but we're also always learning. So like communication, let's come back to that one. For me, it's so sexy when a man can openly communicate, but if he's like maybe feeling a little bit shy or like shutting down on a certain topic, I'm not going to be like, okay, he can't communicate. I'm out of here. It's like, is he willing to learn to do that? Is he leaning into the discomfort? Right. Cause we're all learning. We're all growing. We're all expanding. Um, I think it's more about whether this person is willing to learn how to become a better lover for you and not expecting them to be perfect to begin with. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, totally. I think that is important. It's never it's never black and white. There's like definitely some hard no's, like total deal breakers, but then there's other stuff that like maybe they will get better at and they're open to improving and being vulnerable and like maybe you're the person that's going to help them you know grow in that area and um yeah I I just I do feel like women in particular have a tendency to be 
like so forgiving and empathetic and quite lenient, which can work to our detriment sometimes and keep us on the hook longer and, you know, add to that the sex hormones that make us feel attached to this person and projecting like the vision of what they potentially could be rather than what their actual actions are telling us. Um, And so I feel like a lot of, and like I used to do this a lot, like I was really prone to seeing, like I would notice the red flags, but I would dismiss them as like not being too bad or, you know, I would make excuses for that other person in the hope of them like eventually proving themselves to me. And so do you have any advice for people that are doing this? You just have to speak up. So this is a good example. Actually, early on dating the guy who I'm now in a relationship with, he, I had, we'd been messaging back and forwards and he didn't respond to me for a few days after I messaged him with a question. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was like, that is a red flag. Like you do not just ignore me for a few days. I don't, I'm not someone that needs to be chatting every day, but considering it was left on a question was a little bit of a red flag. Mm-hmm. And so instead of me like continuously messaging, I'm like, I can't believe you're ignoring me or I just like let it go. And then I think after a couple of days, he messaged me, And the next time we saw each other, I was like, look, like that's a clear boundary for me. I don't need to be in contact with you every day. But if we're messaging back and forwards and I ask you a question, like I know you've got the time to respond. And if you are that busy, just let me know. Hey, like I'm really busy. I'll chat to you in a few days, right? Yeah. And I think at the beginning what's important to understand is that you're getting to know each other. So I didn't necessarily make excuses for him, but I was like, I'm not going to like, go like full-blown crazy at him because um, <laughs> this is me expressing this need for the first time. Right. If it mm. happened again, I might go a little bit more crazy, but the first time, and he's, he was just like, oh, like I was working a few nights. Like I just got really busy. I just thought, you know, I'll just message you when I had a day off. So it's not even like he was doing anything nasty, right? It's just like the way that we communicate, maybe our needs were a little bit different. Mm. And since having that conversation, that has never happened again. So it's like, it's just about bringing it up in a way where it's like, it's more, you've got to focus on yourself. So for me, it was like, that makes me feel like I'm not important or it makes me feel like, like, I, like I'm not loved or it makes me feel unsafe when you do that. So could you please like message me back if we're having a text mm. conversation instead of being like, you're such an asshole or like, I can't believe you did this to me, right? Don't make it blame me. Bring it back to yourself and communicate to him how his actions made you feel Mm, I think that's really important and yes that only happened one time and now like the communication's amazing Mm. so the thing is with boundaries well it's like the first time you just want to communicate how it's made you feel um let them know especially what you do need I think men need like clear examples what I want you to do Mm. um bringing second time and then I think what's what women forget is that your boundaries aren't necessarily very strong boundaries if there's no consequence so something happens again and again and again and again and you keep going oh that's my boundary don't do that I want you to do this but it keeps happening there needs to be some sort of reinforcement so what's going to happen if it keeps going right are you going to break up with them are you going to leave the relationship like what is the what's going to happen yeah um, yeah I think that aspect of it like I've got mm. strong boundaries I can use my boundaries all the time but what happens if they keep getting crossed 
Totally. I think that's, that's when it just gets really disrespectful and then you get really resentful and start kind of thinking, yeah, it's, it's so, it's so great that you mentioned like people do make mistakes. You just need to calibrate to each other's communication styles and different, like different needs. And so like for him, cause you know, it was a similar thing with my relationship, like, um, Lockie is like shocking at texting. And he told me, he's like, hey, like it does not mean anything if I forget to reply or I'm like slow at replying because I agonize over every text and I'm just really shitty at texting and I'd rather just have a phone call. And I was like, cool. Okay. I get that. That's really helpful to know. And then he made like a huge effort to always reply, but I, um, you know, I would also be a bit lenient because I knew that about him and his different communication style. And then, you know, he's, always late. He fucking sucks at being on time. And I was just like, (laughs) Hey, like that, that makes me feel unsafe. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not blaming you, but I just want you to know, like, if you tell me you're going to be somewhere, if you make a promise with me, like, especially like if people flake out on me, cause I'd had these relationships or dating scenarios where people would like often make plans and then they would flake out at the last minute or they wouldn't come good on what they said they were going to do. And I was like, fuck this. Like I've got such low tolerance now for anything, especially in the early days where you just want to really like be reassured that this person is safe and they're secure and they're they they respect you. They respect your time. They want to see you. They're eager to see you. And I was like, yeah, just so you know, like, please like give me a heads up. If you're going to be late, please just like, let me know. Yeah. Because it, it's so fine, but I do have like a pretty low threshold for that because of my past experiences and it makes me feel disrespected and it makes me feel like you're not that keen to see me if, you know, if you kind of go back on, yeah, what you sort of promised to do and stuff. And he's just been perfect about that. Like it's, it's so fine because I talked about it and then he was like, oh, well, like time's just like not even a thing for me. I'm just always like, that's just not how I roll, but like I get that and I will make more of an effort. So it's like, cool, easy. We just talked about it now we know where one another's at if it did keep happening then I would have grounds to be like hey like I did mention this and it's making me feel shit (laughs) um and worse because I mentioned it and now you're still you know kind of disrespecting that boundary um yeah and then we'd be we would have to like talk about what what consequences there would be for that I suppose but I mean I haven't had any issues with this relationship but in the past I've just had to be like yo like I'm fucking out of here like sorry but I did tell you and you're still doing this thing that I said wasn't cool with me and it makes me feel like crap about myself and like I can't trust you and like I'm not safe in this and you don't you don't value this as much as I do so like see you later because that's not good for my self-esteem and it's just deepening a wound that I already had yeah (laughs) yeah like it's like how many times are you going to have that same conversation about what's annoying you before you realize that your power isn't walking away and I think the way that you explain this is really nice it's like it makes you realize that any trigger that comes up allows you, like it actually offers the opportunity to build love and intimacy in your relationship. So the way that you were like, oh, when you're late, like it makes me feel unsafe and you can bring it back to some of your past experiences. And that actually allows you to open and it allows him to see inside your internal world and what's coming up for you rather than making his actions mean something about you. And this is something I see a lot like maybe he doesn't text back for a few days or he's late and you can come back to he doesn't care about me he doesn't think like I'm beautiful you know all these like stories come up that aren't even real and then we start projecting them 
onto him, which in his mind, it's never like that. It's just like, oh, I just thought I'd text you in a couple of days or I'm just shit at texting back. Like it literally has mm-hmm. nothing to do with you. It's just them being shitty at texting back or being on time, right? Totally, totally. And like no one's a mind reader, so you may as well just like have a conversation about it and get back on the same page so that you're not going, you know, going a bit nuts in your head and taking it personally and like making all these assumptions that are like almost never true. Um, Yeah, so yeah, I'm really stoked to talk about this because I feel like it is pretty common thing where like people just have slightly different ideas of what, especially in the early days of like dating, yeah, it might, it might um, mm. be quite like head fucky <laughs> if we're not mm. just like being clear about this sort of stuff that can send us off on a bit of a spiral. Um, but I wanted yeah. to talk about a post that you did recently that um, I just loved and it, it's about doing the work versus doing the fucking work. And there was a quote in there that really grabbed me um, that I'd love to elaborate you did elaborate on, but I, I want to like give some context um, in case people don't know the post I'm talking about. So basically Asti was talking about how, you know, you could be meditating and journaling and full moon ritualing your butt off with the intention of calling in your dream partner and saying like, where the fuck are they? Like I'm doing the work, but unless you are actually applying the work, it's not going to be effective. And it's kind of just like a bunch of personal development and spiritual bypassy wank. Those are my words, not Asties, don't get offended. <laughs> um, and then like the quote that you wrapped up that post with was, it's time to stop manifesting change and become a change maker. Can you speak into this a little bit for us? Yeah, so this is well, it's something I've noticed actually with a few women who reach out to me and some of my clients is that they have these experiences where they are attracting the same kind of guy that doesn't want to commit or just wants a one-night stand. It's like the same shit over and over again. And then they always say to me, like, I just don't understand. Like, why is nothing changing for me? I've done all of the work. I'm like, yeah, babe, but, like, that guy that keeps weaseling his way back in, have you blocked him? Have you, like, expressed to this guy that you're dating that you want to be in a relationship? Are you communicating with him your needs and desires? If you're on a date and you realize like, hey, there's way too many red flags here, I can see that he's not like the one, are you walking away? So doing the work isn't just about like um, doing coaching sessions or doing the meditation or the journaling. Doing the work is you in real time in that moment, speaking up, walking away, setting the boundaries, communicating your needs. That's like, that's where it counts right? That's what's actually going to create the change that you want to see. And it's at that point when you are actually like doing the work that you're actually going to be embodying it. Like I think walking away or communicating your needs is going to make you feel a hundred times more worthy than sitting in meditation, trying to embody a deeper sense of self-worth is going to. Does that make sense? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's about (laughs) tangible (laughs) tangible steps fuck yeah well I'm gonna ask you about those tangible steps but first let's do a quick segment that I call TMI we love it it. are you ready ready 
Cool. Do you have a TMI story, although I'm labeling TMI too much inspiration rather than too much information because that's fucking bullshit. Um, do you have a TMI story for us that you feel comfortable sharing? T- too much inspiration. Inspiration. I think it's inspiring <laughs> to talk about the things that are usually like you know, considered not fit for public consumption or conversation because I think that's really like just perpetuating this cycle of shame about sex and bodies and periods and all the nitty-gritty stuff that has to be like sort of hush-hush and behind closed doors. So I feel like when people talk about it vulnerably or openly, it's really inspiring and it helps other people feel like, you know, not alone and they can relate and it's like, oh, wow, it's not. it can't be that gross because Asti's talking about her like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> okay I feel like this is actually like my superpower I've noticed more and more that I have this ability to just like crack people open where they're like doing things that they usually feel really shameful about but they're just like whoa like it's so beautiful so normal so natural so I really do think that's my superpower I mean I can come back to like my birthday was on the weekend and I had a whole bunch of people here and I think it's really funny because when I was a kid, I'd be like, do you guys want to come to my house after school and like play my trampoline? And then I'd get everyone there and be like, you're only allowed on the trampoline if you get naked. <laughs> and now it's like the same kind of thing happens. Like everyone comes to my house to party. I'm like, everyone get naked. <laughs> so this is what happened over the weekend. And then I brought out all of the toys because obviously I own pleasure treasures, a range of sex toys. They all came out. We had like a little self-pleasure party. And I mean, that's something I feel like a lot of people would feel a lot of shame around. And it was just so like beautiful. It was a really nice mm. experience. So beautiful. I love that. What a fucking birthday. <laughs> <laughs> My house is now known as Asti Marie's House of Pleasures and I love it. <laughs> oh, that's the best. That is that's uh, a fabulous claim to fame. I'm so stoked for you. Life made. <laughs> Gorgeous. Well, that's a beauty. I feel like there's not that many people that have probably heard about little self-pleasure birthday party sessions. Um, if only there was also a trampoline involved this time, you should get one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, the ultimate birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So, all right. Well, now that we've got that done, I really want to talk about some, yeah, like examples, tangible steps, tangible examples of how that how you can like live and breathe and apply the work um, and what that could look like in practice. Like, you know, when you haven't met your dream person, but you really want to. So for me, when I was dating, I like I was so proud of myself in the way that I handled dating someone who I knew wasn't right for me in the past. I would have just like maybe ghosted them or like messaged them here and there and tried to like back off a little bit without actually like setting that boundary and just being super honest and communicating with them. Like, Hey, I had a really good time, but I don't see this going anywhere. This time I was the opposite. Like went on a day. I was like, he's not for me straight away. Messaged him. Like had a great time. I don't see this going anywhere, but like, wish you all the best. Right. And I feel like doing that is such a beautiful step because it kind of like just puts out this energy and this like declaration, like, this is not what I'm looking for. 
you're declaring that to the universe to yourself. This is not what I'm looking for. It allows you to fully cut that person off so that you can continue on your journey of meeting, quote unquote, the one. Um, so a lot of it really is just coming back to communication. Mm. And also like we've spoken about, like owning your desire. Like, are you dating to be in a relationship or are you just dating for fun? Like really own that within yourself, owning what it is that you desire from a partner and then looking at the people that you're currently dating and asking yourself, are they meeting me where I want to be met? And instead of just like letting them hang on or weasel weasel their way back into your life, I mean, like a lot of women that I speak to, have a lot of guys that are kind of like clinging on. So you have to set the boundary. You have to let them go. And I feel like this really does allow you to create the space, both like physically and energetically and emotionally to welcome in that person. But yeah, coming back to like, it's such a deep, like you just declaring to yourself, to the universe and owning the fact that like, no, none of these people are right for me and setting the boundary, letting them know. I think that's really powerful. And I think that's, something a lot of women actually struggle with because then there's that that fear that comes up, right? Like, oh, if I cut off contact with all these people and I don't meet the one, like, oh, it's it's scary, right? And then maybe I'm going to be left with nothing. So you just have to back yourself 100% and know that the partner that you're searching for, the love that you're searching for is out there. And in the meantime, just not settling. So boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. Yeah, big time. Totally. It's, it's, um, you know, it can be a bit woo woo for some people, but I always like to remind people that like, if you just keep saying yes to stuff that isn't actually what you want, then you're just going to keep getting sent that shit. You've got to like actually say no and close the door on that. And you're doing the other person a favor too. Like if you know that it's not a vibe, then don't, don't just be immature and let it kind of let it sort of peter out or ghost them or just like keep entertaining it for a little while or whatever but when you really know that it's 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 a no deep down just fucking say it like and do it kindly do it maturely but like do both of your favor and like actually just say thank you but no thank you this is not what I'm after and then you are sending that message to the universe to your subconscious around you know your self-worth and being like this is not what I want I deserve more or something more specifically compatible with me and so I'm gonna keep saying no so stop sending me that you know um mm-hmm. yeah so and, and then what about if you're dating someone you can see it going somewhere Coming back to what we were speaking about before, like you do, you do want to own your desires and you want to communicate with that person, but you also don't want to rush it. But I think Mm -hmm. having conversation around like, are you seeing anyone else? Like, are we dating exclusively? Like you are allowed to ask where you stand, that you deserve that. Um, And then further on, if you've been dating for a few months and you know that you want to be with this person, like let them know. I feel like too often we're like, We don't want to share that we want to be in a relationship because we're afraid of rejection and like the other person might be doing the exact same things. It's like two people just like not knowing and feeling confused. So it is is so scary sometimes that it's such a beautiful thing just to lay your heart on the line and communicate that desire. Also something scary as well is like when it gets to that point is like, and you're like falling for them, it's like, I feel like there's so much fear around being the first person to say I love you, but I think that's like 
a common block that comes up for a lot of people. So that's an example of like leaning in as well. Mm, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's almost like people want to like want to wait for the other person to do it. No one wants to be the first one to do it. It's vulnerable. It could be it could scare them off. Like there's all of this overthinking that goes on with it, which is understandable. Like I've definitely been there, but if you're already at the point where you've been dating for a few months, you're falling for them. Do you really want to, and you know, you don't want to say I love you because you're afraid they're not going to say it back, but like, do you really want to keep falling even harder and then find out later that they're not on board? Like, I I think it's like best to just be open with where you're at and give them the opportunity to either be like, fuck yeah, me too. Thanks for being vulnerable and risking it all and just putting yourself on the line because I'm going to put both feet in as well. And like, look, here we are now. Or, you know, they're like, oh yeah, that's, I'm not on the same page there. And then you're like, cool, well, at least now I know and I'm not going to waste any more time. Or they could be like, I'm I'm getting there. I just need a bit more time, but I'm loving spending time with you. And you can then decide, like, do you want to stick it out and see where it goes? Or is that like, yeah. So I think that's good advice as well. Um, it's totally okay. Like I was the first person to say I love you with my partner. I'm a sucker. I just can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, like tell, owning your truth, sharing your truth is not going to ruin the right relationship. It's only going to deepen it. Yeah. And I mean, like I got involved with my partner and he was really, really quite fresh from a long-term relationship. And he was also going to be moving back over to WA. And it was really like, this can't happen. This makes no sense. But I just went with my heart because it was feeling so good and flowy and we were just vibing so hard. And I did say to him like, hey, like I know that you're not really emotionally available and that like circumstantially this is a bit of a stretch. Like I live in Victoria, you're moving back over to WA and whatever. And like, I just want you to know that I'm really very much ready to find, you know, a longer term relationship. I'm looking for my person. I want to start creating a life with someone. I don't want to put any pressure on you, but like, just so you know, like that's where I'm at. And I will, I'm so happy to just see where this goes and not put any pressure on it because I'm loving spending time with you. But I will let you know Mm. if I do start to fall in love with you so that, you know, you know, you can figure out what you want to do with that. And so as soon as I started to like, be like, oh God, yep, I'm so deep. I'm catching feelings really hard. I was just like, hey, again, no pressure, but I am really, really into you. Like I'm starting to fall in love with you. Um, yeah. And I just kind of kept him, kept him tuned. <laughs> oh my God. It's so powerful. It's so like, just so raw and honest. I love the transparency. Mm, yes only and it was the only way to go by that point I was just like nah this is I'm not wasting any more time you know pussyfooting around I'm just going to be really open with where I'm at and like if it's not where he's at that's okay but I'm not gonna waste waste time yeah but just before we wrap up what about like when you do actually meet the person of your dreams because I feel like that's a whole nother step like that's where it can be a bit of a stumbling block for many and the self-sabotage comes in and the childhood trauma and the wounding can like rear its head and then you know we're not expecting that because we've just wanted this thing for so long and we're like oh my god I met my dream person it's all going to be smooth sailing fuck yeah but then I feel like that that's where a whole nother layer of work comes in so what are some tangible um, things that you like ways of applying the work in that situation 
So, I mean, this has been quite relevant for me recently too. I've had moments where I'm like, oh my God, this is too good to be true. Like, is he lying about who he is? Like there's some like dark secret that I still haven't found out yet. You're just like, after you've had a few bad dating experiences or relationships, it's almost like a part of you just expects the worst. So anytime I've had that feeling, I'm like, hold on. I bring myself back. I'm like, take a look at the relationship and what he's actually shown me. I'm like, everything, remind myself that everything is actually going well and this is available to me. I shouldn't be questioning it. But then I always come back to like, what is that self-doubt that is coming up? Where does that stem from? Is this relevant in my current relationship? Or is this me just taking my past relationship and projecting it onto this one, which is usually the case. This is the <laughs> same thing that comes up with like projections and triggers as well. Um, actually, it was a couple of months ago. I We went away for the weekend and he went to watch cricket one day and I got really triggered because we had a day apart from each other. He went to watch the cricket I think at the end of the day, we were going to have dinner together and I messaged him and I was like, hey, do you want to um, go out for dinner? I'll get dressed and cute. We can go out. Or if you want to stay in, I'll stay naked and cute and we can just order in. And he replied and he's like, hey, like I'm having the best time at the cricket. I'm actually quite drunk. I want to go out with my friends. Um, I'll be back like just after dinner. I know. I think he actually worded, worded it. Is it okay if I do this? And at first I was like, oh my gosh, that he's here with me. He's just wanting to hang out with me. Like I felt so rejected and I actually had to take the time. I took like 10 or 15 minutes just to really sit with that. And I was like, actually, am I being rejected right now? Or is this just like me being triggered from like childhood? Am I just projecting onto him? Um, Mm. And after I sat with it for a little while, I realized that I was actually okay with it. And it was just me needing to sit with my inner like what was coming up for me internally and then yeah I was just like yeah it's totally fine like have a good night I think we later spoke about it and I did share with him what came up for me but in the past I would have just gone crazy and been messaging him like how dare you like you should be wanting to hang out with me like getting really like passive aggressive and so I think it is a huge skill that changes everything is being able to sit with those triggers, being able to sit with your emotions and be more in control of your emotions rather than allowing your emotions to control you. And as I said before, like being able to do this, instead of it turning into conflict and like pushing him away, it actually allows space to build deeper levels of intimacy because then I was able to open and share with him like, oh, when you did that, it made me feel like this. And it opens like this really beautiful conversation where we get to know each other more. Um, so I think for me, this is the one thing that I've worked on over the last three or four years that has changed everything for me and allowed me to manifest the love that I desired. Mm. So beautiful. Yeah, I really relate to that, like the past experiences in a relationship, for instance, or maybe like childhood with like abandonment issues or betrayal or, you know, I've we've, we've all got wounds from past relationships and from childhood that then kind of superimpose themselves on situations with a new partner and that automatic reaction where your emotions are kind of trying to control you and tell you how to feel about something Um 
yeah, not super rational, not super rational. And yeah, I feel like the work, applying the work is exactly what you did there. And what I've been having to get better at doing is just like pausing and being like, whoa, I feel fucked up about this. I'm taking it so personally. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I feel rejected. Like my plan of what I thought was going to be happening tonight, we're going to have a cute dinner and now it's not. And now I'm like, Aah. and it's just, yeah, it's just like pausing thinking about where that's coming from, where that reaction is coming from. And then like actually just analyzing it being like, oh, cause I usually also come to the same conclusion. Like, oh, that's actually fine. Like I'm cool with that. It's no biggie. Like I'll just do my own thing. It's fine. I'm going to see them in a few hours. And like, it's just one occasion out of all the time I'm going to spend with this person. Like I don't want to be that controlling girlfriend and I don't want to be that irrational kind of like um, yeah, like super sensitive, selfish person, like which I can feel like I'm going into yeah. in those in those situations. Um, yeah, and <laughs> and just being like, oh, that's actually because my past partner used to put his friends before me all the fucking time and not tell me and go out, and he would prefer to get drunk than hang out with me, and I would feel neglected and rejected, and like that's not what's happening here. That's actually just not fair for me to put that on this new person and assume that, you know, it's just triggering an old wound. And so I think it's great. Like, you know, I do the same thing. I talk to them about it later on and I just like, I'm vulnerable about it. I'm like, yo, like it's not your fault at all. I'm not shaming you. I just want you to know like me a bit better. And the fact that maybe for the first year or two of our relationship, I'm going to be slightly more sensitive and easily triggered by these sorts of situations because of this past experience. But I don't want you to change. I just want you to be aware of it and compassionate with me if I do get emotional because I'm working on it. You know, like that's kind of what I've been doing. I've just been like, yo, this is how I react. I'm so aware of it. I'm working on it. I'd love you to be compassionate about it and mindful, but like, I'm also not telling you to like, not do you, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not his fault. He doesn't, it's not his job to heal you, but in knowing some of your triggers, he can create a container that's going to support your healing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like in, in being able to talk about it, I feel safer. I feel seen. I feel more understood. And then I feel supported to like really hold myself accountable and do that work within myself so that I don't get triggered and react about stuff because it's really nothing to do with him. It's all me and my past experiences. So yeah, I think that's a great thing to leave people on is like, I feel like throughout this interview, it's been a common thread, like communicating, being honest and vulnerable about where you're at, not as a way of like punishing or um, blaming the other person, but more as a way of like just opening up a dialogue about it so that you can both just continue to like work on that. And so it doesn't get all, you know, it just loses its power. Once you speak about things, I think it loses its power. Um, yeah. And, and communicating is just like such a good way of applying the work. I think, I mean, if if you're communicating maturely and reasonably, um, not passive aggressively, but you know, that's a whole other thing. Mm. Your relationship is so much easier when you know where you stand with each other. 
Totally, totally. And every time these things happen, like I see them as like, yes, maybe in the beginning for the first sort of year or so, I was like feeling a little bit bad because I was like, oh, fuck, I feel like there's things constantly coming up and it's all coming from me. Like it's my trauma. He had like nothing. And I was just like, fuck, I'm so sorry. I feel like we're always having to have these crunchy conversations and I'm always bringing stuff up. But That is literally just every time it's an opportunity to like get to know each other better, create safety, create a deeper sense of connection and understanding um, and vulnerability within the relationship. And then it's going to over time just help us calibrate to each other and each other's needs. And then I'm not going to, this isn't going to be permanent. Like I'm just, there was just like quite a bit of stuff to wade through to begin with, but like the longer we're together, the less and less that sort of comes up because we've talked about it. I've worked on it. And we've just become closer in the process. Yeah. And if someone loves you, they're willing to accept all those nitty gritty things that you have to work through. It's not like if someone's like in love with you, you have to hide certain parts of yourself to be accepted. Like it's so beautiful when you can just be so open and share everything. Um, Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I love that. Oh, gorgeous. Well, I know that you've got a client really soon, so I'm going to let you go. But thank you so much for being on the potty. This has been just delish. Thanks for having me. This has been such a fun conversation. Mm. So I'm going to pop links to your website in the show notes so people can check out your work and your programs. Um, like asu has got a bunch of programs that are really helpful for this this like this like sort of stuff. One of them is called The Spark. Um, definitely go check that out. Also, you can grab some Labia Lounge merchandise now. I've got fanny packs. I've got bathing suits. I've got like T-shirts and tote bags. It's pretty cool. Um, I'll put the links in the show notes for that as well. Um, but yeah, thanks, okay. Asti. Um, <laughs> um, beauty. I'll see you all next time. Bye bye. And that's it, darling hearts. Thank you for stopping by the Labia Lounge. Your bum groove in the couch will be right where you left it, just waiting for you to sink back in for some more double L action next time. And in the meantime, if you'd be a dear and subscribe, share this episode, or leave a review on iTunes, then you can pat yourself on the snatch because that, my dear, is a downright act of sex-positive feminist activism. And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify, and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered, or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at freyograph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT, and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time.